kids do say the darnest things. <laughs> and uh, this past um, week, two weeks ago, we were asking Evie. We asked Evie a question. We asked her, what is Christmas about? <laughs> what is Christmas about? And she gives, you know, the typical answer. She says, Santa Claus, presents, Christmas trees, lights. Right? And we're like, oh, man, we failed as parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're sitting at the kitchen table and we're teaching her Christmas isn't about Santa Claus and presents. It's about God coming to be with us. It's about Jesus' birthday. And she's like, no, it's about Santa Claus and presents. <laughs> and no, it's about Jesus' birthday. So we're trying to, you know, teach her that. And uh, so a week later, we come back and We're asking her again. This time my wife asked her at the table. And my wife asked her, what is Christmas about? And she, it's about Santa Claus. I was like, what? And they're having the conversation. And then all of a sudden my wife is like, hey, you need to come. You need to come hear this. You know, and I was still um, busy. But they were having this conversation because my wife at that point decided that you know, I got to burst her bubble about the Santa Claus. <laughs> and she says, you know, Santa Claus is not real. Santa Claus is not real. And Evie gets just a response. She's like, no, he is real. I seen him. I saw him the other day. <laughs> she saw Santa Claus, right? Whether from the mall or, you know, from the parade, from the Greek town uh, celebration, she saw Santa Claus. And that's how we tend to operate. That's how we tend to live. We trust what we see. We trust that we can hold it, that it's you know, something that's real. But this Christian life that we are called to live requires us to live not by sight, but by faith. And too often we get caught up in this world. As Mike was mentioning, Advent, we get to celebrate that God has come. He's delivered us, delivered his people, and yet we wait for the return of Christ. And we live in that, that hope fulfilled, and yet the coming of our hope. And I feel like as we live in that, and as we talk about surprise by hope, it comes out of a context. When we hope for something, we're currently in a context where we're in need where perseverance is required to continually move on to obtain that hope. And so this morning, I want us to take a look back at why we put up the trees, why we give the presents. And so it's Christmas. (laughs) It's not about Santa Claus. It's about the birth of our Savior. And as we look into that, our verse comes out of, um, the verse I want us to concentrate and focus on comes out of Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Let me read it to us again. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So if we look at the text, what was Mary treasuring, right? What is all these things that has happened? In the past two sermons, Mike and Daniel Um, spoke a little bit into that context of the intertestamental period. 
There's this period in time that stretched for 400 years where the voice of God just became silent. God's silent doesn't necessarily mean that he's absent. But his voice has not come to a messenger. And in this just silence, Israel would have to continue to endure. They would have to continue to persevere. They would continue to have to hold on to the hope that was given to them. And Mary would grow up, she would hear these stories of how God called Abraham, and he was going to build a nation with him. And she would grow up with the story, and she would recognize that with Adam and Eve, there was this promised seed that was promised to redeem all people, that he would crush the head of the serpent. And she would know the stories of how God delivered them through Moses out of the wilderness and across the sea. They would set up these stones to remember what God has done. And Israel would have to keep these memories and this hope of a promised Messiah to come to set them free, to set their people free. And that would be required for them to continually to persevere. And as we live today, we too are required to persevere as we wait for the coming of the Lord. And as Adam gave us that story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and how they persevered, what they did and what they didn't do. We want to look back because Mary's looking back now and she's going to treasure these things. So as she's thinking about these things, as she's beginning to ponder, the voice of God breaks into the silence. And God sends an angel to Zachariah. And the voice of God is heard once again. And when I think about that, man, in 1 Peter, verse 10, it says that the angels long to look onto these things. Everything that I just mentioned, the angels are looking into it. The angels are seeing God unfold his redemptive story. The angels are just in awe of what God's doing. They're longing to look into these things. And I could imagine 400 years stretch and the angels are just waiting as well to see what God's going to do. And Gabriel, the messenger, gets a message from God. And he comes and he gives it to Zechariah. The one, John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way. And then he gets another message to deliver. And this next message, I feel like he would have just blown away. It would be just blown away. Imagine the angels in heaven, God's presence, blown away by what God would do, blown away by what, how God would choose to redeem the world, that he would become flesh, be born of a woman. And as the angel delivers this message to Mary, Mary takes it in. And we'll talk a little bit more about how Mary received that. But what else was Mary pondering about? What else was going on? God surprises us by choosing to send the angels to proclaim this message to the shepherds. Because you see, at that time, the shepherds were the ones that were the ones that were ranked in lower class in society. Their words didn't carry much weight in court as well. You know, but yet... 
with their status in society and the way the world viewed them, God chose the lowly. He chose them. Well, then, and I could imagine, you know, they're just working hard, you know, doing the shepherd things, probably hoping for all this other stuff, be, hoping that, man, why couldn't I be born into situate, this situation? Why couldn't I, you know, inherit money? Why couldn't I have all this thing? And they had all this hope that they were hoping for. Yeah, God gave them, you know, this proclamation that the ultimate hope that you need has been born. And the angels, a multitude appear. <laughs> this multitude of angels that were just blown away at how God was going to redeem the world. These angels, glory to God in the highest. And as they delivered the news and they left, the shepherds went running. They had to go see what was, if this was true. If the Messiah had come, they had to go see if their hope was fulfilled. <laughs> Has he come? And as they went there, they saw the baby wrapped in strips of linen, lying in the manger. And Mary began to treasure all these things as she heard the shepherds proclaim what just happened, how they received the message. And the shepherds took off proclaiming the message, becoming the first bearers of the good news unto just the surrounding town. God surprises us by using the lowly. And Mary's treasuring all these things. And I can see at the manger, Mary looks at Joseph. And she's probably surprised Joseph is still here. Joseph is still here. See, because Joseph had to endure something as well. Joseph would have faced ridicule, shame. And Joseph was a good man. He didn't even think about himself what would happen to him. But he, in Scripture says he was thinking about Mary. And that he, did, he was going to divorce Mary quietly because he didn't want her to be shamed as well. So he's going to divorce her quietly. But God sends his messenger and angel comes to Joseph. I want to read that for you guys. It's found in um, Matthew um, chapter 1. I'll start from verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, which, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Mary's staring at the hope of the world, and she's going to have to treasure these things. She's going to have to ponder these things. So look at those two words for us, right? What does it mean to treasure? What does it mean to ponder? The word treasure, I took on. Like five courses in Greek. I don't remember any of it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Goes to show how much um, money I. <laughs> so, the word here really means uh, in the Greek that uh, treasure is. <laughs> to treasure is to. That she was. 
She kept. So other versions said, you know, Mary kept all these things in her heart. Um, the ESV chooses the word, she treasured all these things. Because there's more than just the, she kept it, but she kept on keeping all these things in her heart. It, one commentator said that she kept on keeping all these things in her heart. They became like to her food. You know, it was like the, the food and the water that would sustain her. She wasn't just, you know, astonished by what was going on, but it became a holy awe to her. And if we begin and learn how to treasure the things that God's given us, it will help us to endure and to persevere through just the times where we feel dry. And so she kept on keeping all these things, and she treasured them. When I think of treasure, I say, man, what do we treasure the most? What do we treasure the most? I like to suggest that we treasure people. We treasure relationships. My wife said, nah, the people treasure stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay. So what do we value the most? Right? Do we value a life or do we value money? I think at the end of the day, we would value life over that. And I, I was like, you know, and I, I feel like if we treasure an object or something, it's not that we treasure the object, but it's we treasure the value and the meaning that that object becomes to represent. And so treasuring, right, like this ring, right? Man, I don't know why, but Lord of the Rings just comes to mind. <laughs> it's precious, right? <laughs> and we see throughout these extended versions, 12, 13 hours of how precious this ring is. didn't disappear but the point is and it's wonderful illustration that man that's like Golan he takes this thing and he's like rubbing it all the time and it's so precious to him it's worth his life and his value and that's how they treasured it are we treasuring what God's given to us are we treasuring those moments do they bring us to a place of just wonder a place of awe Does it become like food and water that sustains us? Because Mary treasured all these things. And she would have to because the road was going to be hard. So as Mary's treasuring all these things, and I'm thinking about this and just the value of relationships. You know, as we're Saturday, we're heading back home for Christmas to just celebrate my, um, you know, just to be with friends and family again. But a big portion of it is because we want to celebrate what God's done in my father-in-law's life as well. And you, you guys journey along with us and just this whole process of going through cancer. Um, man, it's great to have community. And so as we went through this process, as he's going through all this process, we're going down, we're going to just throw a big party and just celebrate God. But as Christmas comes, um, two years ago, my mother-in-law gave my father-in-law this Christmas gift. And, you know, we all know how my father-in-law, he has, my father-in-law has a certain way he talks and a certain way he reacts, and it's pretty predictable. <laughs> and so when my mother-in-law gave him this present, he opened it up. It was a pair of white New Balance shoes. And he's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. This is just what I needed. And we knew he was going to say, this is just what I needed. That's two Christmas ago. So last Christmas, 
my mother-in-law, after noticing just what he needed, sat there on the kitchen floor for a year, and he didn't even wear them, decides to re-gift it. <laughs> so we're all, oh, this is good. <laughs> we're all kind of excited. We knew, we knew how my father-in-law would react when he opened it, uh, what he would say. And so he goes and he opens it. We're all just kind of anticipating. He's like, oh, this is awesome. It's just what I needed. <laughs> and we just, everyone just starts laughing. And we're all just laughing and you know, just enjoying that moment. And then he begins to recognize and realize, takes a deeper look. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> These are last year's shoes that I never wore. And so when it hit him, you know, it just became a moment, a memory, Christmas memory that we will continue to treasure. And I'm sure it'll be a story that we'll tell this year as we go. But that's, that's the thing, right? Sometimes God gives us something and we don't take the moment to even look at it. God, I want this. God gives you food and sustenance. He maintains your life. Puts you into a community, but we don't treasure it. It's like he's got to re-gift the same thing over again and give it to us. Oh, that we would treasure. We would treasure God. We would treasure the things that he's doing in our lives, how he's fulfilling his promises for us even now, and that he has done great things, that he's coming back. So Mary treasured all these things. And to treasure, to keep on keeping all these things, reminds me a lot of the word just to remember. To remember. So why do we need to remember? God continually tells his people to remember that he's God. If God is just God, right? We did a big city, big question, and We ask, you know, if God, you know, was to reveal himself to a human being, how would he do it? Got all these wonderful answers. I think one of my favorite was that he would send a mass text, because that's all we do, stay on the phone. Everybody at once gets this mass text from God, right? But it's amazing that we forget. Right? That's the amazing thing that we can forget God. So he's telling his people to remember him. Remember me. I am the Lord your God. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. I am the God who led you through the wilderness. I am the God who's going to send you this Messiah. And he's telling them to remember, to remember. And in a sense, Mary's remembering all that God has done, and she sees the fulfillment, and she's treasuring that, and she's going to keep on holding to that. And oftentimes, right, we've got to keep on remembering what God's done for us. And as I think about remember, though, I, I can't help but just to say that sometimes we've got to forget. And for a lot of us who are in Christ, we can still feel the stings the accusations of the former self, of who we used to be when we were still enemies of God. Or we can still feel like even now we fall. We fall short. And sometimes we just need to forget that, no, that's a lie. I'm no longer this person. 
I'm a new creation in Christ. Paul, who knew all the sins that he's done and committed, his past elite uh, status, he says, no, I, I, you know, I move forward. I move on forgetting all the lies behind. And he strides forward. So she pondered these things as well. The word ponder, um, try to do a little Greek again for you guys as well. Uh, but before we go there, uh, I want to share a story, though, about just remembering. Um, Thanksgiving, right? I asked a lot of Canadians now, if you guys don't know, I'm from the States <laughs> as well. So, like, what's Canadian Thanksgiving about? <laughs> get like the, some of the clearest answer, but I think Canadian Thanksgiving for me holds a very special, special meaning. Even if God calls me back to the States, Canadian Thanksgiving, you know, they ask, some people ask me, would you still celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving? Because we didn't celebrate American Thanksgiving. Would you still celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving? I said, oh yeah, because it has a special place for me. When I celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving, I'm going to remember the first time that God put me on a plane to come here. I'm going to remember walking with Daniel and a team of people. First landing here, and as we just begin to dream of what God would do for the city, we begin to connect with just other pastors and seeing just all the things that God's already doing, seeing just that hope rise up, seeing these pastors talk about how the kingdom is being built here. There's just this anticipation of just wanting to land in Toronto and just begin the work. I remember Dan just asking questions, how are we going to do this? What venues will we use? How about that strip nightclub over there? You know, and like everything's on the table. What are we going to do? How are we going to evangelize? How are we going to proclaim the good news to these people? What are we going to call this church? And so this past Thanksgiving, I took my... um, wife and daughter, and we just put Evie in a stroller, and we just went walking around downtown and walking around Toronto and just remembering God's goodness to us and what he's called us to in Toronto. Because I'm telling you, it, was, it is hard. We had to persevere in mean, this moment of persevering. And so persevere. Remember and treasure God. It's going to fuel you to keep moving. To ponder, uh, this word pondering, is, it means to place together and compare. To place together and compare. So Mary's placing together what the angel said to Zechariah and then how the Holy Spirit entered Elizabeth and left and the word that she gave to uh, Mary blesses the one who is going to follow and obey all these things, right? And so gives that word to Mary and then Mary gets the word from the angels, from the shepherds and Mary's taking all these things and Mary, you know, the Old Testament, the word that was passed down to her and she's taking all these things. Why was she taking these things? Why was she placing it in front of her? Why was she comparing all these things? Because she needed to know that they were true. (laughs) That these things were being fulfilled. 
She needed that, that truth, that steady path for her. And she, she would discern as the angel came to her and welcomed, oh, Mary, you know, just talk, and sitting, talking about how blessed she was and how favored she was. And Mary, and it shows who Mary is because when the angel, Gabriel, tells her that she was favored of God, what does she do? How does she respond? she began to wonder and discern about the greeting that the angel gave her. This woman, incredible, she's discerning. Are these things true? And as we talk about just the lies that creep into our life, the accuser who accuses us, we need to continue to stand firm in the truth. This is termed preaching the gospel to yourself. Preaching the gospel to yourself. And just past, like, two days ago, my wife was sharing about how she had to preach the gospel to herself. It was three days ago. We had a good weekend. So it was three days ago. She was sharing how she had to preach the gospel to herself. I picked her up from work, and she was like, oh, man. I keep having to tell myself, you know, that these lies would go away and these negative things would go away. And she was just sharing about, man, just keep getting these lies that you bewitched me. I was like, what? What did I do? She's like, yeah, you bewitched me. You tricked me into coming here. You tricked me that we have to live this way. You tricked me. I was, you know, and she, I was just like, okay. Okay. But she's like, no, but those are lies. I have to preach the gospel to myself and I have to proclaim what is true. Once I get caught up in this world, I'll get caught up in, you know, living life like the Joneses. I'll get caught up in these false hope. So she was preaching the gospel to herself. I had to to not only preach the gospel to myself, but as I was meeting with Matthew, this Thursday, I was just kind of sharing with him some of my struggles. You know, it's like, man, I just feel fruitless. Just feel fruitless. All this working and trying to do things that I'm feeling fruitless. And Matthew had to remind me, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, peace, patience, joy, self-control. He's reminding me, these are the fruits of the spirits. He's speaking the gospel into my life. And he's reminding me, work. What is it to work? What is it to do the work of God? Jesus says, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he sent. That's the work of God. I just feel the weight come off. just feel these lies being pushed out of my life once again. That's the thing. We need to preach the gospel to us, and we need the community to speak the truth into our life. And we need the community to speak the truth into our life. But ultimately, what is, what is it we need? What is it we need the most? Jesus said this. That I have to go. I have to leave you. And it is 
better that I go. Because when I do, I will send you another just like me. I will send you the comforter, your advocate, your counselor. I will send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness. But he will remind you of all truth. Emmanuel, right? That's what we need. We need God with us. And that's what we have, is God with us. The Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Because to you guys, I feel like, man, the Santa Claus is real. <laughs> like, Evie, what's Christmas about? Santa Claus, because I can see him. I can see him. Santa Claus is real, but the Holy Spirit does something incredible. It surprises all of us. What the Spirit does is to dwell in us, to knit together Trinity Life Church, to bring together and surprise all of us to church planet that God was preparing ahead of time, that we do separate things for the city and to join them together. Let's prepare hearts like yours to come here, to come to join, to surprise you that God will choose you to be part of this body, to surprise you <laughs> that when someone's going through a hard time, it's foggy and they can't see, that, you're, that they're joined to you and they become eyes for you to see. When your legs are weak, they become to you just, you know, just your support to keep you going. Jesus said that you are my body. And each of us is a part of that body. Be surprised that you can't see the work of God. You can't see and that God is wanting to use you to be hope for someone else. That he wants Trinity Life to be the hope for this city, to link arms of other church, to have this kingdom mentality to become hope and light for this city, influencing the city, influencing the world. Can I get the band as we just transition our time into communion?